Back at the beginning of the 1950s, memory suggests, the world was all in technicolor, and it never rained in summer. Nat King Cole headed the hit parade with, They Try to Tell Us We're Too Young. Tottenham Hotspur was top of the football league, and Newcastle United beat Blackpool to the Football Association Cup. Butter, meat, and sweets were still rationed in Britain, and the average weekly wage was around seven pounds, though you could buy a house for under five hundred. Money was tight, particularly pocket money. When the weather was fine, schoolboys like me would save our bus fares for fizzy drinks and walk the couple of miles to school instead. Our school in northwest London drew its pupils from a wide and diverse area. Every morning, teenage boys, in the rigidly enforced uniform of grey flannel trousers, school blazers and caps, plus satchels and shining morning faces, could be seen converging on the red brick Victorian building like wildlife towards a waterhole. We assembled from every part of the suburb, many poor boys from the working-class terraces leading off the busy, grimy high street, middle-class pupils from upper-bracket apartment blocks with pretentious names like Grosvenor Mansions, and a small number of rich kids from spacious, six-bedroomed, detached houses with carriage drives, double garages, and acres of garden. One young turbaned Sikh was daily delivered to the school gates by chauffeur-driven Bentley. He was the exception. By far the largest religious minority were Jews, for whom Britain's post-war grammar schools offered the irresistible attraction of a free quasi-public school education. Back in those days, there was little town-and-gown trouble. True, gangs of adolescent roughnecks did gather in the seedier parts of the district, but we all knew which routes to avoid and which were safe. For some of us, however, there was one peril that was much harder to escape. A section of my route took me through one of the wealthier areas, along streets lined by big houses with wrought-iron gates and plaster-pillared porticos, past flowery front gardens, tennis courts, and recreation grounds, a mock rural setting which still somehow recalled the real orchards, market gardens, and country villas of no more than a generation or two earlier. It was just before entering this quiet, would-be pastoral neighborhood that menace lurked for young Jewish boys like me, a danger that could result in a severe beating. If we kept our wits about us and our eyes open, we could catch sight of the threat, a group of apparently respectable middle-aged men in dark suits, loitering around the entrance to the alley which led to the local synagogue. If we were quick enough, we could take rapid evasive action. But teenage boys are much given to dreaming, and the long walk to school was the perfect opportunity to let our imaginations wander, leaving our mental autopilots to look after the practical business of working our legs and navigating them towards our destination. All too often, a boy would accidentally stray within range of one of the prowlers, who would instantly dash across the road and pounce on his victim. Usually the first a boy would know of his fate was the feel of a hand grasping his shoulder, and the dreaded sound of the ominous whisper, Psst! Bistraid! And he would know that it was all up for him. The phrase is Yiddish for, Are you a Jew? The boy had been captured by one of the synagogue's Minyan Schleppels, those charged with the duty of dragging, schlepping, a quorum of ten ritually adult males, a minion, into the synagogue so that morning service could begin. I hastened to explain that our reluctance to be caught like this was not prompted by any anti-religious feeling or atheist belief. On the contrary, many of those targeted 
would have only recently celebrated their religious coming of age, their bar mitzvah, and still enthusiastic would already have dutifully recited the required morning prayers at home. No, the entire practical problem was that waiting for the rest of the minion to collect, and then taking part in the service, threatened to make us late for school, which in those days could still be, and all too often was, a caning offense. No doubt the schleppers spoke in Yiddish so the Gentiles wouldn't understand. On us boys, though, it had a different, subtler, perhaps even unintended effect. Had we been asked in English, we'd have been able to argue back, to explain about the penalty for missing morning assembly, about the French homework we had to catch up on before the next lesson, about the early morning rugby football practice, being late for which would earn us a hefty and extremely painful kick up the backside from our games master's sadistic boot.